Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. In one of my favorite books, Man's Search for Meeting, Viktor Frankl, who is one of the world's leading psychiatrists, shares his experience as a prisoner in Auschwitz during World War II. He discovered that the most crucial part of being human is having a purpose. And he said, those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. And equally, the absence of why can make unbearable almost any how. This area of purpose is one where we're, one place where the secular culture and the faith culture agree. The data backs up the idea that purpose is critical for our lives and that people who have a purpose, a clear purpose, they can tell when they're being interviewed, they are more resilient, they're healthier, and generally more fun to be around. Knowing we have a purpose can help get us up in the morning and not having a clear purpose can have the opposite effect. It can also lead to depression. But, but what exactly does purpose look like? Uh, what exactly does that mean? Jesus spoke about the importance of purpose in his own life, in his ministry, and he described it. Uh, many people think that Jesus came uh, to condemn people and tell them what they were getting wrong, but he said, no, my purpose is that I did not come to condemn, but I came to save. And he also said, I didn't come to oppose the Jewish Bible, Jewish law, I came to fulfill it. So he was very clear on, he had a, his purpose, and if you're a Christian, that's a pretty powerful purpose to follow, follow in Jesus' footsteps. And the Bible is just full of amazing stories of people being called to a higher purpose. Uh, the disciples being called by Jesus and deciding to give up their fishing in the story today and follow him. Um, but one of my favorite stories is a story we read about Jonah today, who is called to be a prophet, and he doesn't want to do it. So he runs away from it, and that's the story that we read today. He took off on a ship, and uh, he suffers calamities and, and uh, roadblocks until he returns to his job. So I've always loved that story of Jonah. It was a little long today, but I really enjoyed hearing it. Swedenborg, in his insights into scripture, puts a huge value on purpose. Uh, he said it's really one of the most important things that we could possibly do is get to know what our God-given purpose is and that purpose will give us motivation. In a broad sense, he suggests that all of us have a similar purpose in that we're here to be useful and of service to others, but we're all created very differently and we all have a unique way of being useful to God and humanity. 
So how do we find this purpose? How do we know we're on track with it? Does it change over time or is it something that we have from the very beginning of our lives? So that's uh, one reason I'm so happy to have Tim here for the discussion. Um, and I wanna share just on a personal level, a little bit of my purpose story because it actually ties into Tim. Tim plays an important part of it. So I thought it would be uh, appropriate and not too uh, uh, a narcissist to talk about myself. But I think it's, a, it's an interesting story in that it's uh, a similar story that we all face. Uh, I will just say I grew up as a kid kind of feeling I had a purpose. I felt like I was gonna be a minister uh, when I was young. I was preaching as a young kid in the Baptist church that I grew up in. And I went to college, studied philosophy, all knowing that I'd go to theological school and I would be a minister. Um, and as many of you know, who have, have come to many services uh, coming out at that age in the 80s, uh, threw a ringer into this plan of purpose that I had. And I felt really lost. Uh, I felt like my God-given purpose was taken away. And now I kind of had to freelance and figure out something else. And so looking back, I can see that God had a hand in all of that and had a purpose all along. But I can tell you at the time, it did not feel very clear. And so you know that I, uh, if you're around each week, I, I worked in politics and I work in social impacting businesses and so forth. So I've done a lot of interesting stuff and I was really in a position about a decade ago where I was really, what I would say, pretty, um, really hitting my financial and status goals. And I don't think, oh, I, I know I wasn't really as much on purpose. And the work I did, don't get me wrong, I wasn't working for you know, uh, a tobacco company, but it was good work for good causes. But I still felt like this isn't exactly, I'm not really on the, the highest purpose I could, could be on. And I did something that I encourage all of you to try. Um, I prayed, I prayed most of my life, this simple prayer, you know, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Use me the way you want to use me. And I will tell you, if you pray this simple prayer, I warn you, God will take you seriously. And that very likely that will mean getting off a current path that you might be on and putting you on a path of purpose. And that can be quite destructive. So about that time in my own life, uh, the clients that I had one by one all started calling me to cancel my contracts one after another. Um, and by the fourth one who called to cancel, uh, I told them, I said, I know why you're calling, right? You want to cancel our contract. And they were like, well, yeah, how did you know? It's a surprise to us. We love working with you. And it just became so clear. And I remember feeling like the tablecloth of my sort of planned out life was being pulled and everything was being knocked to the floor. But I will say in retrospect that like Jonah, I was being steered back to a path that's more purposeful. This is the part where Tim Kelly comes in. So during this time, I was uh, taking a marketing course for coaches. And uh, one person in the group, we were, we were talking about our, what's our highest purpose and you know, highest level. And I use this phrase, I really feel like we're called to bring heaven to earth. So the group was very secular and the colleagues kind of smiled and nodded and they were like, okay, that's a little weird. And uh, one participant said to me, you've got to read Tim Kelly's book on purpose. I know Tim Kelly, I've worked with him, he's amazing. 
And to be honest, uh, being a know-it-all, I thought to myself, not another self-help book. <laughs> I politely told her that, you know, I'll get to it at some point, thank you very much. And then she mailed it to me. And then I felt obligated that she had gone to all this trouble, so I read the book. And I can go into more details if you're interested in the discussion, but to sum it up, the book really led me to epiphanies in my own life. It really opened things up through meditation and prayer. And I thought to myself, my gosh, I'd love to meet that author of that book. This guy has some serious wisdom going on. Um, a few weeks later, a woman mysteriously emailed me and said she worked for Tim Kelly. She wanted, uh, he wanted to meet with me when I was next in San Francisco. And it just so happened I was doing a pitch to Google uh, coming up at that time and I was going to be in San Francisco. So we agreed to meet and, and visit. And um, so I'm going to meet Tim in downtown San Francisco and south of Mission. And I parked my rental car and I began to walk to the restaurant to meet Tim. And I was, you know, put my head down, you know, like fumbling with the car keys of the rental car. I don't know how to work. And I look up and I discover I'm completely surrounded by a group of Tibetan monks in saffron robes. And this is not like a vision that I had or I wasn't doing mushrooms or something, no. These were real monks surrounding me on the streets of San Francisco. And I, was, I couldn't get out of the group. I, they were literally all around me at this point. And the voice inside of me, uh, which I would say was an angel, the voice of God said, do we have your attention? Pay attention during lunch. So Tim and I had a great lunch he went on to offer me profound coaching, which I'm, I'll always be grateful for. And I can say it's very unlikely I would be pastoring a church of the Holy City had I not worked with Tim. Um, his work with me, for example, on my mission statement is the working title of the book that I'm, I've been working on. So it's impacted so many different parts of my life. And I wanna thank Tim today for his help. Now, I share my personal story because I want to say if you do pray to God that you want guidance on your purpose, I believe it will happen. You need to pay attention. And like the prophet Jonah, many of us keep turning away from what we know we're called to do. And God keeps us back on the path of purpose, gently nudging us, almost like a GPS system. You turn, you turn, take a left here. So Tim Kelly is really the leading thought leader and, and coach on this topic of purpose. And I wanted to um, ask him some questions to get us started. And then I'm going to open it up to the rest of us in the discussion. Okay, Tim, are you ready for a discussion? I'm ready. Okay. My first question, Tim, and thanks again for talking. First, any reactions to anything I said that you agree, disagree, or need to change? Um, so uh, nothing I need to change. Um, I'm, I'm left with a minor concern, which is that people might think that purpose is mandatory. And if you don't follow it, you're gonna get swallowed by a whale. And I don't want everyone to walk away with that as the takeaway from the meeting. <laughs> So let's start there, Tim. What if you don't, so you're saying if you don't follow purpose, what happens? So um, the, let's go back to the GPS metaphor yeah. that you were offering, right? Yeah. So if I, if I punch into 
you know, Waze or Google Maps or something like that. And I'd say, oh, I want to get here. And I punch in a bunch of, you know, I, I punch in that destination and it starts saying, okay, we'll turn left here, go right there. Do I have to do that? No, <clears throat> I don't have to do that. Will anything bad happen if I don't do that? Well, it depends. I mean, if I drive off a cliff, something bad will happen, right? But that's, you know, if I, if, if, if I you know, drive into another car or something terrible will happen. But if fundamentally, if I just ignore the driving directions, I just won't get to my destination. So it, it's not like there's a divine punishment for not following ways. It's more like a natural consequence, if that makes sense. And I like to think about purpose the same way. Um, because uh, I and many other people are uncomfortable with, the, uncomfortable with the idea that it's mandatory. And actually, if you, if you treat it as mandatory, you must follow your purpose. That actually creates more fear and resistance than if you were to just say, well, look at how cool and pleasant your life could be if you followed your purpose. If your life is that cool and pleasant now, then maybe you don't need to. And if it's not, maybe you should consider it to make things better. I find that a better sell if that makes sense, than, than telling people something horrible is going to happen if you don't. And if something horrible happens, if you don't, like for me, the effect of not finding my purpose was of feeling slightly lost, not terribly motivated, and mildly depressed. And that went on for like 25 years or something. Um, so that wasn't anyone exacting punishment on me. It was because I wasn't doing things that generated meaning um, so anyway, that, that was the only thing I felt at all motivated to push back. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, uh, Tim. And um, it, in, you know, and I would say one of the biggest things in the Swedenborgian tradition, which you're very familiar with, actually, is free will. You know, that, you, mm -hmm. that, 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 that is penultimate, that you have the freedom to do it or not. But I, mm -hmm. I was left by your la at the end of your comment, you said, uh, but it, it's not optimal, like if you're not on purpose. Is that a fair way right. to say Okay. Well, some people, and, I, and I've met folks like this. I just, I just was recently talking to a um, uh, uh, a uh, hospice nurse, and she loves her work, mm -hmm. and she sort of, kind of backed her way into it. She didn't wake up one morning and said, "I want to be a hospice nurse." It kind of happened, mm -hmm. but now she's a hospice nurse, and she loves it, and she can't imagine doing anything else. Now, she hasn't done any purpose work with anybody. Mm -hmm. She did a halfway reasonable job trying to put together a purpose statement because she was talking to me, mm -hmm. but she didn't have one in mind before we started, right? So she hasn't like looked for and found her purpose, but she's kind of accidentally, if you believe in accidents, wound up doing something very purposeful. So I was very clear with her. I, I actually want her to help me find the purpose of dying people, not to find her purpose. So I was like, well, you don't, you clearly don't need any purpose work because you're feeling fulfilled and satisfied with what you're doing. So there's a bunch of people roaming around in the world who feel absolutely fine about their lives, absolutely fine about what they're doing. They love their families, they love their work, and everything's going, you know, I mean, they encounter difficulties, someone gets sick or whatever, but generally speaking, they're having a really good life. And then for somebody like that, I don't know why they would want to find their purpose, because purpose is there to solve the problem of not feeling fulfilled and not feeling like you're making enough of a difference, not knowing why you're here. So if you don't have that issue, then you don't need to take the medicine. Right? Exactly. Now, do you think that there's a 
God-given or a God-planned purpose for each person. Each of us have a there's a there's a there's a a, a better purpose or ideal purpose. I think there is, and and the this is why the book is called True Purpose, right? We're setting the bar high with that title <laughs> to say, okay, we we want to find the most accurate, the most compelling, the most precise purpose for you as distinct from any other human being on the planet. And that, that sets a high bar. And that's what that process is designed to do is produce that response. Is it God given? If you believe in God? Yes. I think we can get into the other later, but, but it, speaking in a Christian context, it's like, you know, the way Rick Warren purpose driven life puts it is if you want to know what something's purpose is, ask its creator. Why'd you make that? Right. So in that sense, sure, absolutely. In a religious or Christian context, yes, we all have a God-given purpose. 99.9% of us are completely unconscious as to what that is. So you're, um, you know, you, you kind of, we, we're kind of moving in this direction. So let me just ask this question. One of the things I was super impressed with your purpose work was that uh, it's truly ecumenical, meaning you mm -hmm. say, uh, you know, in our tradition, we say all faith paths are good. You were saying the same thing, whatever path uh, you're on and in, in your faith, it's not, it's not like, uh, say Rick Warren would say, you would, you would accept Jesus Christ, uh, I right. guess, and then you, and, and then follow Jesus and then, and then follow he's, Christ. he's pretty, he's pretty much on a Protestant evangelical version of purpose. But you, you talk about something real, uh, I was, that was something I was truly amazed with your system, which said, uh, any faith or no faith, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how I read it. And yep. you use a phrase in your work um, about trusted source. So can mm -hmm. you talk about, um, does it matter if you have a faith to find your purpose? And can you describe what trusted source means? Yeah, so, so what you said is exactly correct, which is any faith or no faith. And so I've worked with many atheists. And to me, it, it's not, it's not, fair or productive to say to an atheist, well, first you have to agree to believe in God, and then we can find your purpose. Like that's, that's asking a lot. <laughs> As a former atheist, it's asking a lot. Actually, I told my son who claims to be an agnostic, but he shows all the signs of being an atheist. He's like, oh, dad, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm about to go give my first sermon. And there was this long pause on the other end of the line. And he says, no, bad. <laughs> So he's, he's very, he's generally accepting of me, very critical of the fact that I believe in God or identify as a Christian or anything like that doesn't work for him at all. Um, but, uh, but I was an atheist until my mid thirties. And I think that's a perfectly valid life choice and an internally consistent, coherent belief system, right? It's a different way of explaining the same stuff that religious people are seeing and explaining by different means. And Let's face it, right? If it were provable one way or the other, the proof would already have been, would, would be in already, right? So I think even if you believe in God, I think God wouldn't want to make it provable because that would take all the fun out of the game, right? So it's, it's not really provable one way or the other. So now we're left with our free will to decide how we want to experience reality and what meaning we want to make about the universe. So for all the people who aren't religious and aren't spiritual, do they then get to have a purpose? My answer is yes, absolutely they get to have a purpose. It's just not a God-given one. 
and they can believe that that purpose is a result of genetics and nurture and all this other kind of stuff that they that the ideal purpose for them is the result of their organic evolution that's okay that makes sense but now they have a different problem than you or I do when they want to go find the answer to what is that purpose because you or I can go ask God now there's the whole thing about getting God to talk back which we can talk about later if you want um but if, but if you had the phone number, right, then God could say, oh, yeah, glad you asked. Your purpose is X, right, which is actually what happens for most of the people who do this process. But if the atheists can't place that call, so they have to figure out where are they going to place the call to to get the answer. And for someone who doesn't believe in God, usually the answer is internal. My higher self, my intuition, my heart, my gut, my true self, my inner knowing, something like that some part of me that knows more about my purpose than my conscious mind and my ego does. And if I could talk to it, then it could explain my purpose to me. And the term trusted source that you used is Tim Kelly's made up term for something that knows your purpose and could explain it to you if you asked. Can't be another living human being and almost anything else works, right? So we've had people use playing cards, fictional characters from books, dead relatives, animals, plants, you name it successfully to get purposes that we were able to test and prove to be accurate after the fact. So if they believe in it and they believe it could know their purpose, it will probably work. Wow. That's really amazing. I'm sure I'm going to there'll be a lot more questions uh, from all this, but this is really, really good. Um, now I want to shift. So you've done this for thousands of people. I think you've done it for more than you've done more purpose work than anybody probably. That certainly that I know, um, that's literally purpose work. People come to you for this work. What's the number one um, reason people can't get to their purpose? Like what's the biggest, is there a common barrier that you see with- There is, <clears throat> and it's, it's a, it, it's the, the short answer is fear and the slightly long answer is, so what, what I do with clients is I say, okay, so God's calling. He wants to explain your purpose to you, right? Notice the part of you that wants to answer the phone and go, oh, hey, I've been waiting to hear my purpose. That's great. But more importantly, notice the part of you that doesn't want to answer the phone and wants to let it go to voicemail. That's the key one right there, right? And and because people want to focus on their willingness. I'm like, no, 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 focus on the resistance. The resistance is more important. What part of you wouldn't want to answer the phone and hear what your purpose is? Because that's what's keeping you from knowing your purpose that fear. And typically it's a, there's, there's a great variety in those fears, but the most popular one is something like, oh no, maybe it'll be something really different from what I'm doing now. And it'll really disrupt my life or I won't like doing it or something like that. It's going to, it's going to blow everything up. It's that tablecloth thing. It's going to yank, <laughs> yank everything out. And now, and then I won't want to do it, but because God told me to, I'm going to have to do it anyway. And that's going to suck. Right. So it's, it's something like that. Um, and there's different variations of how it's going to affect my reputation or my family or my finances or my work or my this or my that or my health or something. But it's generally about how it's going to mess things up to know the answer. So you're, you're, and, that's, that's fascinating. So you're saying basically people inside themselves through uh, generally have a seed of knowledge, um, yep. a kernel of truth about what they should be doing, yep. uh, what their purpose should be. Right. And that they also have a, a narrative in their head that if I follow that, these bad things will happen to me. 
um, may happen, may not happen. necessarily will happen, but may happen. And and is that is that usually like a, a financial? Is it usually around money or or status? Or- Often it is. I mean, I'm fortunate to have clients who have no financial issues whatsoever, and you know, and so for them, that's not the fear. That's but but um, but for most people, it's a combination. So you think in terms of Maslow's hierarchy, right? So it could be a safety fear. I'll be unsafe. People will hate me or throw rocks at me or something if I live my purpose, um, or I won't have a place to live, or I won't have enough money to survive. That's kind of the, the lower levels. And then you get into the esteem stuff. People think I'm nuts, or my clients will fire me, or, or something like that, or you know I won't be able to get work, and it, you know, because everyone will think I'm crazy, or I will feel bad about myself. Right? That's all esteem stuff. And then above that is the self-actualization. Like, will it work? Will I actually be able to make a difference? Will, you know, this sort of stuff. And so you get all different fears at all different levels. But fundamentally, it comes down to that if I learn my purpose and act on it some important need of mine won't be met, mm. but I'll have to do it anyway. Mm. That's, that's, the, that's how the logic goes. The nature of the need or needs that won't be met varies from person to person, but that's the fundamental construct. And the answer to that is very simple, which is make the needs more important than the purpose and you'll be fine. And it's very counterintuitive for people. They have trouble hearing me. Like when I say that, they think they misheard. <laughs> They're like, but Tim, you just said that money and relationship and safety are more important than purpose. Yes, I did just say that. That's correct. Remember how Maslow's hierarchy works. Bottom stuff, more important than top stuff. Purpose at top, right? So if you have to choose between breathing and purpose, choose breathing. Mm. If you have to choose between food and purpose, choose food. If you have to choose between health and purpose, choose health. If you have to choose between money, having enough money to function in the world and purpose, choose the money, right? If you have to choose between having healthy relationships between family and friend and loved ones and purpose, choose the healthy relationships. So it's only when you can get the purpose to work without screwing up all that other stuff that it's actually useful. Otherwise it's destructive. Mm. And so if you knew that you would be willing to say no to the purpose if you couldn't do it safely, then there's no harm in learning what it is. The problem is people doubt their ability to learn what it is and then say no. They basically feel like if I, if I got that call from God, I have no choice. That's right. I have to do That's it. That's so frightening because I'll say as a pastor, the number one issue that people, spiritual issue people have said to me over the years would be, if I could just get a clear message from God of what I'm supposed to do next, like mm-hmm. I'm having a real hard time with this decision. But what you're basically suggesting, which is, it proves true in my experience, there's a part of them that is extremely afraid of what that path will be like for a variety, it could be a variety of reasons, and that they basically want to say, mm, I'd rather say, that I can't hear God because I don't want to. That's way. right. It's unconscious, right? Unconscious. The people consciously they do want to hear God. Unconsciously, they're afraid to, so they can't. Communication problems always on our end of the line. God's sitting by the phone all the time, ready to take a call. What, um, I'm going to open up to everybody after the service, but I just one more point on that particular topic. So something that you do that's very unusual is that you have people list their needs and can you explain that exercise just briefly? I know yeah. 
somewhat complicated, but I think we're really- Yeah, but we can get at the heart of it, which is to say, make living the purpose conditional on the other stuff working reasonably well. So, which is to say, <clears throat> if my marriage is good, I'm earning at least this much money, I'm healthy, I'm happy. If all this stuff is, is working, then I will live my purpose. If living my purpose costs me any of those things, then I won't. And so the exercise you're referring to, which we do in workshops and we do in one-on-one -on -one coaching, Rich, is where we have people list what it would look like if their needs were being met. And most people never stop to think about this. Like think about the word need, right? This is something you can't do without. Mm -hmm. Most people have never taken the time to sit down and inventory what is it they need. We know we need food and water and that kind of stuff, but there's all sorts of other stuff that's more complicated. Like for me, my clients thinking I'm great and that I do great work, that's a need for me. It's an esteem need, but it's a need. Mm -hmm. If all of my clients thought I were a retard and thought I sucked, that would not be okay with me. And that would stop me from doing what I was doing, right? So it's, uh, it, it's important to get honest with oneself about what are the things that you're really not willing to sacrifice in pursuit of your purpose. And if you can actually say to yourself, yes, that's right, I need all these things and I'm not willing to sacrifice them in order to have my purpose, then it becomes safe to take the phone call. Mm. And it's what you said earlier about Swedenborg and free will. If you really got that you've had free will, like God gave us the gift of free will and expects us to utilize it, which is an extra step that most people don't think about. Like he didn't just give it to us. He gave it to us and he expects us to use it. Like if I give my son, I have this like little drone thing I'm thinking about giving to my son. My fear is I'll give my son the drone and he'll never fly it. <laughs> So God gives us the free will and expects us to use it. Well, that includes free will to choose to talk to or not to talk to God, to go to church or not to go to church, to sin or not, to learn my purpose or not. And having learned my purpose, to act on it or not. All of those choices would be me exercising my free will. And if I say to myself, if God tells me my purpose, I have to do it. I'm not using the gift. Well, I'm going to stop our discussion so we can open up to others after the service, which will be in a few minutes. But I'm really struck by um, the amazing work that you do. And I'm struck by how a loving God, you know, which I believe God is love, only wants it to work out for us. It will do anything to kind of get us back on track and to get us to the right path. In a, in a, He'll in a, be very creative about it. <laughs> Definitely very creative about it. Um, and, and that's, I think, what you do really well. It, is, it has to be creative sometimes. God is very creative. And I would say that in parts of my life where I've been put back on track, it's almost with a sense of humor. I feel like at times I've almost been tricked um, by God. He says, like, if you're going to pray um, that you want to follow, then, the, then um, we'll work with you on that. We know, we know you've got issues. Um, we'll work with you to get there. So, well, this is really good. Thank you, Tim. We're going to open up to other questions just after the service. So can you hang with us for a little bit longer for the, after the service? Okay, excellent, excellent. Now, um, we're going to shift gears. So we're going to ask you uh, to, we're going to go through our offering prayers and benediction before we...
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.